Chief Justice and the Associate Justices of the Supreme Court of the United States. Oh, Congress yay, shall make oh, no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Students don't shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Our voices matter because we're the ones best equipped to tell our own stories. Student journalism matters. This is Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate, the New Voices podcast. Hello, and welcome to Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate, a podcast produced by the JEA Scholastic Press Rights Committee. We focus on empowering student journalists and educating the greater community about their rights. My name is Deanna Day, and I'm a member of the SPRC and a teacher at Morristown Friends School in Morristown, New Jersey, where I co-advise the student newspaper, Wordsworth. Our goal for each episode of this podcast is to highlight a specific aspect of scholastic press freedom and then bring you an interview related to that topic so you can see how it comes to life in real schools around the country. Today, we are going to be focusing on the relevance of an editorial board on a student newspaper. The editorial board meets regularly to debate and write unsigned editorials that represent the opinion of the majority of the members of the board. In late spring of 2020, during the intense days of pandemic and national protests around the killing of George Floyd, our school's newspaper found itself without a formal editorial board and in the midst of a situation when we really needed one. For our interview today, I invited the people who worked together to figure out a plan of action. We talked about what led us to form our paper's first editorial board and how an editorial board protects press freedom for scholastic journalists. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, We're here today with Deborah Galler, who is uh, my co-advisor on our school newspaper, which is called Wordsworth. And we also have our editor-in-chief, Senior Sam Bittman, and our special guest is Sam's grandfather, Terry Bittman, who is an adjunct professor at Temple University and has also taught at Glassboro State, now called Rowan College. And he was a longtime editor and reporter for more than 35 years at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Sam, could you give us a little bit of background as to um, sort of what happened last spring with an editorial that you wrote and sort of the process we went through with this editorial and um, how it led to the formation of our editorial board? Yeah, so in about late spring, early summer, I think it was around June, um, right when protests had sparked um, over the death of George Floyd, um, I had decided to write a opinion piece about uh, President Trump's leadership, or lack thereof, um, was my, what my opinion was about. And uh, it was pretty, uh, I guess, controversial might be one way to describe it, where um, I was very harsh and uh, critical of his leadership and uh, how I felt like he wasn't doing a great job. And when I presented it to Ms. Amos Galler, um, we had some concern over whether or not to publish it. Um, and one of the reasons being that 
um, you know, is should the editor in chief of the paper uh, come out with an opinion piece that is against the president and on top of that, a presidential candidate in an election year. Um, and so after some discussions back and forth, and then I also talked to my grandfather about it, um, we ultimately decided that this is where, you know, this led to us creating an editorial board. We decided an editorial board is necessary for this type of uh, issue. And if these type of issue, type of, types of issues come up in the future where we have people in leadership or on the staff that want to publish um, a very critical or controversial opinion piece such as this one, um, we need to have a place for them to do that that's safe and um, in the right spot for it. Um, and so since then, uh, with the start of the school year, we decided to go about creating our editorial board and we're still in the process of creating that right now. Um, so we have, the, we have the formation and the foundation of it. Um, we have our members in, but we're still creating um, like our, uh, our values and what the editorial board will stand for and things like that are still, you know, in the works. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say that's really where it all stemmed from. And Mr. Bittman, can you tell us a little bit about what your thoughts were when Sam approached you and how you advised him? Sure. Well, I think he pretty well covered it, but we talked a, a couple times and I, uh, you know, I advised him that um, as the editor the paper, somebody who's in charge of the coverage of events in the paper, that it was not the best idea to also be writing opinion pieces, that major news organizations, mostly print ones, um, have editorial boards of varying sizes, depending upon the size of the newspaper. New York Times, for example, I think has almost 20 people on their editorial board. And um, that that's the place for, for opinion. That's the place for... Um, endorsements and, and other things, and that you need, to, you need to have a separation of powers between the newsroom and an editorial board, and it probably made sense to, to start one at Morristown Friends. Yes, thank you. And at that point, um, Deborah Galler and I had some conversations, and we went back and forth with mm -hmm. Sam, the editor-in-chief, and we took a look back at some of our editorials, kind of wondering why we didn't have one in place already. And Sam, do you remember what we found when we looked back at our editorials? And we've had some wonderful opinion writing through the years. I think for me, as far as when I look back at our past work, um, you know, for me, I was looking back to see like, well, you know, how does our past work stand against like what I was trying to publish? Is it around the same, you know, hard hitting idea, like stories where, you know, they're also critical of presidents and stuff like that. And I remember we found um, a political cartoon that was published by um, someone who was an editor in chief at one point um, that was sim you know, similar along sort of the same lines, but not as uh, critical um, or directly critical as my article was. And so I think overall that we have found that like we hadn't had as many hard hitting stories or controversial stories as uh, what I had presented. Which I think was surprising surprising to me at the time because I remembered a lot of strong editorial writing as I said so um, I think Sam you're right that we hadn't had something so critical of a president before so it made sense to follow this advice and um, form an editorial board. As a student news organization of course it's of paramount importance to us 
importance to us to preserve student press rights. Um, maybe each of us could, um, each of you could weigh in a little bit as to what you think about the relationship between an editorial board and preserving student press rights. Deborah, do you want to start us off? Well, I think part of it comes back to that idea that was just mentioned before about that separation of powers, because I think that some student writers in all forms, journalistic and otherwise, struggle with the difference between opinion and sort of analysis or, or news coverage. And I really think it's our job as educators, both as journalism educators and in my case as an English teacher, um, to really emphasize that separation. And I think having an editorial board um, can both protect students in terms of how we've set up our organization in terms of their rights and what they can write about, but also be a really valuable lesson about um, how important that separation is. And I feel like today when there's an all out assault on the press um, and their in general and their rights and their this perceived idea that everything that people write in the newspaper is opinion when that's obviously not true. Um, I think it's really, really important, maybe more than ever, or at least in my lifetime to um, make sure that that lesson really hits home. So I know that's not 100% specifically about student rights, but I think it is a form of protection for the students as student writers, and then hopefully eventually, at least some of them as professional journalists. Uh, if I may add, yeah, I absolutely, I agree. Um, the key, and even at, at a high school level, I think, is that a reader knows where to go to get opinion pieces, to read opinion pieces, that they're clearly labeled either as an opinion piece or because of where they're played in the paper, like on an op-ed page. So there's no confusion between what is news and what is opinion. Um, and I think even at, you know, even at a high school level, that, that can be fairly easily accomplished. And I think it's paramount to do so. Absolutely. And I agree with the, the separation issue, actually. At, at first, I was, I felt just, I think, sad that, that we had run into any obstacle to Sam being able to publish this piece. But we did have these ethical concerns about um, these issues about um, maintaining the unbiased nature of the paper and a reputation in our community. But the more I thought about it and heard about Sam's conversations with his grandfather and um, discussed with um, my colleague Deborah Galler and um, read opinions from other advisors nationwide, it seemed like the editorial board, in fact, protects students because it provides an ongoing forum for the, the paper to um, express the opinions of the students. Sam, what are your thoughts? It was your editorial that was in question. Does the editorial board answer the problem that we had? Does it preserve student press rights? And if so, how? Yeah, so actually, if I can go back to something Ms. Gallard said, so about that's been sticking with me was um, how students sometimes don't, you know, recognize that, that separation of power right away. And I think I fell prey to that um, originally when I, you know, got into journalism because that wasn't something, I guess that was as clear to me um, when I originally taken my journalism 101 course. And then, you know, through my three years at Wordsworth, um, I just had never really run into that. Now I had learned what an editorial board was and I, you know, I got the general gist of it, but I never really fully, I guess, understood it or, 
understood it at the level I do now because now I've almost had direct exposure. Um, and so for me, it, it, it hit me all at once when we started having these conversations like, oh, yeah, this makes sense that we should have this editorial board because otherwise, you know, it, it doesn't look good that the editor in chief is probably coming out against, you know, a presidential candidate or the president in general. Um, and then I started thinking about my own um, protection. Like I, we've talked a lot about it, Miss um, Damus Galler, about how I've had concern when publishing those types of opinion pieces of like student backlash, um, like from other students in the community that are reading it. Um, and so I think, you know, having this editorial board really helps with that as well um in the student level where it's not just one student kind of putting their opinion out there or not under an editorial board or anything and they're really kind of letting themselves be under fire um whereas the editorial board has that level of protection where you can write it you know as part of the entire editorial board even though it's technically written by one person um so there's a level of protection there that i think is really important and that's something i've come to value this year um since you know realizing that we needed to create an editorial board it's interesting that what you're saying um Again, in the, in the in the world of the news the newsroom, professional newsroom, um, most of the time articles written on the editorial board, opinion editorials are not bylined. They're not signed. So whoever the person is who's writing it is doing it on behalf of the whole board. And usually a board will meet and in some cases actually even vote over the whether that's a good opinion to to express. So. Um, you know, sometimes having something labeled opinion with a byline is fine, but if you're strictly doing editorials, which reflect the policy of the news organization, anonymity has a place. And I'll add, you know, something that we've talked about this year since um, this school year um, with Wordsworth, since, you know, this issue came up and the need for an editorial board has come about is uh, with me with, you know, I've talked with the staff a lot about what is an editorial what opinions need to go to the editorial board and what opinions don't need to be go going to the editorial board. Um, that's something um, I wouldn't say we struggle with, but that we've gone back and forth a lot about um, in conversations where, you know, if someone writes an opinion like, uh, you know, oh, there needs to be more, you know, more of this snack in the dining hall. I don't feel like, you know, there's enough Doritos or whatever in the dining hall. That's something that doesn't really need the editorial board because it's a very, it's not as, uh, you know, controversial or as, you know, someone writing like, well, the president had a severe lack of leadership um, against these protests and it was wrong. Like that, there's a very strict, diff like very big difference between uh, those two types of opinions. And so that's something we've even realized as a staff um, is what belongs uh, under the editorial board and what doesn't. So like, you know, that same idea that what my grandfather was saying, what really gets the byline and what gets no byline from the editorial board. Where are you with the group? I know you did an um, an application process, right, for people to apply to be on the editorial board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we started with um, first just kind of introducing the idea of the editorial board to the staff, since a lot of them weren't aware of it, um, since, it, you know, this issue occurred over the summer. Um, and so we explained to them uh, why we need to create it. I showed them my um, opinion piece that I had written about um, the president. And then, like you said, um, I sent out an application that I put together for them that had them read, uh, I believe it was New York Times, um, Washington Post, and the LA Times, if I'm not mistaken. It was the um, values that those three different editorial boards have um, on their website. So I had everybody who wanted to apply to be on the editorial board for Wordsworth read those three statements, um, as well as two articles, by um, one by Wesley, um, Wesley Lowry, and um, I believe the other one was by Time Magazine. 
Um, I may be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and those two articles were about objectivity um, and objectivity. I think the Time Magazine one was about the history of object, objectivity in journalism. And then the Wesley Lowry piece was more about objectivity today. Um, and that's because I felt like objectivity was a really important thing for people who are joining the um, editorial board to understand. Um, and so since then, um, we have had a couple members. So we're, again, we're a small staff. Um, so our editorial board isn't very, you know, isn't huge. Um, but it's, uh, it's a piece of our um, staff that, you know, just a couple people that decided to join. Um, and we've had um, one meeting so far where we talked about um, what we want our values to look like and what we think is important. Um, and since we're on winter break, when we come back, um, we're going to continue that conversation and really solidify what those values are for editor our editorial board and then get it fully functioning. Um, that's really the plan. Thank you. Yeah, it's and Sam's done a great job of leading the staff in the conversations he described about what goes to the editorial board and what is not necessary to go to the editorial board. Um, so we're definitely in process with that. And I would just add they've been really thoughtful conversations overall. I mean, we've had some great conversations about um, our paper's approach to inclusivity and diversity and, you know, where that plays into either the editorial board or the paper as a whole. And I've just been really impressed. I mean, again, thinking as a journalism teacher about the value of this, both for the actual news organization and for the students um, to experience this. So I've been really impressed with those conversations. And I also think, you know, objectivity is incredibly hard for students who's, who are reporting on the people they go to school with and learn from. I mean, I think when I was a reporter, I knew my role and there was no reason I was talking to someone for an interview other than I'm a reporter interviewing you. And these students have to go out and do their interviews and then turn around and be in French class with the same people um, and, you know, or challenge, you know, authority figures in their lives. And I think that that's further reason why these conversations are so important about protecting our students and and how in some ways they have a harder job as scholastic journalists, I think, even than professional journalists. Yes, agreed. And, you know, you're getting me thinking that since the editorial board has been formed, I feel as a journalism advisor that a sense of um, maybe, I don't know if safety, maybe safety is, is the right word, that we have a place, mm -hmm. that our commitment to the students expressing their opinions has a specific place and we have a process. Um, and then that gets back to what we were talking about before, that therein lies the protection, that there's a process, we're codifying it, we're um, practicing it, um, the students are having these thoughtful conversations you're describing, and that's what protects their their rights. So Sam, we're grateful to your to the to the sparky editorial you wrote. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy to think that it uh, led to that. Definitely, definitely didn't think it would uh, be leading to this when I first wrote it, um, but I'm glad it did. And one thing I'll add with um, our staff, I, yeah, I love like I love what they've been doing and the conversations we've been having. They've been really great, and it's been interesting because you know I really just learned about like the really like the in, like the ins and outs of an editorial board this year. Um, I had very basic knowledge before that. And so it's been a learning experience for me, but then also for our, our staff who a lot of them, this is the first time hearing about an editorial board um, or 
you know, what an ed editorial board really does. Um, so as we've had our conversations about creating it, we we're all learning new things um, as we go. And it's just been an overall great learning experience that uh, I've really enjoyed. Anything I should have asked and didn't jump in anyone. So this past summer I did a program um, online with uh, through USC, you know, University of Southern California. Um, and there were other student journalists in the program and all that. Um, and one of them, I remember she, I believe was at a private school in New York and she had mentioned how someone, I forget if it was someone tried to write, um, an opinion piece that they then asked the, uh, newspaper, the student, the school's newspaper to publish, or if it was someone that was part of the newspaper staff at her school. Um, but someone had written a somewhat controversial piece about the school and the school completely shut it down and wouldn't allow them to run it. Um, so that's always been something that's been in the back of my head. Now, I don't think our school would do that because they're, I think, much more supportive than it sounds like that school was. Um, but that's always something I thought about is, uh, is there ever a point where we find a story that might be almost too hard hitting or too controversial that that could be an issue where uh, we have to worry about, will the school allow us to publish it? Um, so that's always been a thought of mine. And uh, I guess we'll see if that ever comes up, but definitely something that's been on my mind, a very interesting uh, issue. Thank you so, so much to our guests, um, Deborah Galler, my co-advisor, Sam Bittman, our editor-in-chief, and Terry Bittman, longtime journalist, and Sam's grandfather. Um, it was really fun talking to, the, to, uh, to you all today, and um, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you come away from the conversation feeling empowered and inspired to establish an editorial board for your school's paper if you don't already have one. Thank you again to my guests. You can reach us at sprc.jea.org with the subject line podcast or tweet us at JEA Press Rights. So you don't miss out on future episodes, please subscribe to this podcast through any of the many podcast applications available for your computer or phone. The Scholastic Press Rights Committee is chaired by Kristen Taylor, and JEA's president is Sarah Nichols. You can find us online at jeasprc.org. Thank you for listening, and remember, student voices matter.